Hi, this is Adam Carroll, host of the Build a Bigger Life podcast. In speaking and traveling all over the world, I meet some of the most interesting people. When I meet someone who embodies what it means to me to be the architect of their own life, I invite them to be on the show. The interview you're about to hear is one of these people, someone who's choosing life over lifestyle, pursuing more of what they love to do and less of what they have to do. The blueprint to get you doing more of what you love is available for download at buildabiggerlife.com. Now, on to the interview. Hey, Life Architects. It's Adam Carroll here with another episode of the Build a Bigger Life podcast. My guest today is a guy by the name of Grant Baldwin. And if that name sounds familiar, it should. He's been on the show before. He is a great and longtime friend of mine who has graced speaking stages for a living, and he's now teaching others how to do the same. On the show today, Grant will break down what it takes to get started or to build a speaking empire if you've already started, just as he's done. And I got to tell you, his advice will make you money if only you follow it. Grant can be heard on his own podcast called The Speaker Lab, and he's constantly offering free training around becoming a professional speaker. Just imagine opening your mouth and getting paid to do it. Man, I love America. Speaking of loving America, I got a request the other day for speaking from Kuwait. So we're digging into the opportunity. I'll let you know what happens on that front. But uh, hey, international recognition is always a good thing. I'm just not sure about Kuwait, but stay tuned. Hey, to surround yourself with other people like Grant and some of my other super savvy guests, you should totally check out the Build a Bigger Life Retreat which is held two to three times a year in cool places like Sedona, Arizona, and Destin, Florida. For more information, check out buildabiggerlife.com forward slash retreat. You can download the blueprint for building a bigger life on the main page there as well. And I would love to see you at a future event. You can also grab a copy of the Build a Bigger Life manifesto in the coming weeks. So stay tuned to email inboxes, this podcast, and my YouTube channel, which is found at youtube.com forward slash Adam Carroll Speaker. That's two R's, two L's, Speaker, all one word, Adam Carroll Speaker at YouTube. Uh, that book will launch in the coming weeks. I'm super excited about it. And it features some of the stories from guests on the podcast. So if you're a frequent podcast listener, you will love the Build a Bigger Life manifesto. Now, let's hear about how to sp build a speaking business and uh, you might even get a little bit of a conversation about two bald guys comparing how they shave their heads. Enjoy. Grant Baldwin, welcome to the Build a Bigger Life podcast. Man, I get to hang out with Adam Carroll today. Today's going to be a good day. We're going to have a it, lot of fun. It is a good day. Sometimes I get you on the show. I have, I've had you on once before. It was episode 89. It was called Speaking for a Living. Mm -hmm. And now you're teaching speaking for a living. Mm -hmm. We just add another word in there. That's good. Yeah. Just to mix it up. The part two as the it, remix. It's also a really good story of someone who's pivoted from what they've done for a long time, done it well, their career evolves. We're going to get into all that, Grant. Um, you know, the first question I always ask, though, of my guests, it is, what do you love about your life right now? 
Uh, I, I mean, as you well know this, one of the things that we compare notes on is uh, family and travel and experiences. Uh, so I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We have three beautiful daughters. Uh, and so I love, uh, I love trips. I love experiences. I love uh, those moments with them. And so, um, yeah, we, uh, we did, we're, we're, we're recording this at the beginning of uh, 2020. We did a, a bunch of trips and travel in 2019 uh, and had a great time. And um, we were just talking, we, I got to book some more stuff and, and figure out some places to go and experiences to, to have. One thing we've been talking about that uh, you would be partially to blame for is we've been looking at a, uh, a Europe trip sometime in a few mm. months. So we may uh, make it around to, to pull the, the, the trigger on that. So we'll Yes, molte bene, they say in Italy. Yes, man, Dude, go do it, go do it. Uh, well, that's very cool. I know I'm, I'm a little bit jealous of your schedule because you've created quite a bit of freedom and flexibility in your life. Um, so just to give my listeners a little bit of a, a backstory here, Grant and I kind of ran in parallel lines for a very long time. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how would you qualify or quantify what we did similarly? Yeah. So, um, so we've both been full-time speakers uh, and do, I know for me, I was doing 60, 70 gigs a year, a lot in the, the high school and education space, a lot with colleges, um, and then some with uh, businesses and corporations, entrepreneurs. Uh, and so that was the core of, of my business. I think yours as well uh, was, was being paid to get on a plane and go somewhere and run our mouths and collect a check and go home. And yeah. um, it's fun. It's fun. It's, it's, there's parts that are amazing and parts that are non-glamorous and non-sexy and everything in between. But uh, yeah, that, that was our world as, as paid professional speakers. It, it is definitely an 80-20. There's a mm-hmm. 20% suck factor in that business. Uh-huh. And it's delayed flights and yeah. you know crappy hotels and yeah. Yep. Rental cars that smell like somebody's cigarettes and you know all that stuff, but yep. uh, there's a ton of fun in that business for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant, you when I first met you, you told me a story that your background was in. Uh, wasn't it youth ministry? Uh-huh. Is that how you started? Yeah, yeah. So if we go way back in time, um, uh, and when I was in high school, I was really involved in my local church. My youth pastor had a big impact on my life, was a great speaker. Uh, and so it was really influential of like, I want to do that. That seems like a cool gig. And so um, that's kind of the, the path I was on. I, I, I later worked at a, a local church as a, uh, as a speaker and uh, as a as youth pastor and had a lot of opportunities to speak. And so um, my wife was pregnant with our, our first child and uh, nothing like bringing a kid into the world that causes you to just question everything. I'm like, okay, what am I doing <laughs> with my life and what do I want to be when I grow up? And so right. um, ultimately I decided like I, uh, you know, as a youth pastor, parts of what I like, parts of what I didn't like, but the thing I really enjoyed, the thing I felt like I was good at was speaking. And I, I, I knew I wasn't the greatest speaker in the world, but I knew I was, I was decent. I knew there was something there. I wanted to do more of it, but I just had, I had no idea how to get started. Like, how do you find gigs and who pays for speakers? And like, how does this mysterious world work? Uh, and so I started stalking a bunch of speakers and emailing any speaker I could just to figure out the ins and outs of the speaking industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so eventually I was able to book my, my first gig and then second gig and more gigs and more gigs. And to, like I said, to the point where, uh, eventually I was doing, you know, 50, 60, 70 gigs a year. Yeah. Um, Part of the challenge uh, with speaking, uh, as you well know, is that I had a buddy tell me early on, he said, it's a very high paying manual labor job in that we get paid way too well to stand on stage and run our mouths. But the nature of it is you do have to get on a plane, you have to leave, you have to go somewhere. So it requires you to be there. Um, and so if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to take a month off or if, or if God forbid something happened and you couldn't get on planes and go travel and speak, like it immediately affects you and yeah. your, your income. So, um, 
Uh, so it's kind of like a, you know, like a surgeon, for example, a surgeon gets paid really, really well for procedures that they do, but it requires that they go there to do the procedure. And so, um, so I, I like one of the influential and turning point moments for me was I was talking with another, uh, a speaker friend, a mentor, a guy I really looked up to. And he said, um, he said, Grant, I, I think, um, he's someone who like will, has been speaking for many, many years, um, probably as long as we've been alive and will continue to be speaking for many, many years. And that's all he wants to do. And he's phenomenal. He's a great speaker. Uh, and there are a lot of speakers that we both know that are like that. They've been in the business for 20, 30 years. They want, yep. they can't see themselves doing anything else but speaking. That's great. Um, and I, th- and what he said to me is that Grant, I think you are a really good entrepreneur who happens to be good at speaking. And mm. that really resonated that I, I like speaking, but, uh, I don't do nearly, uh, as much speaking as I used to. I'm not doing anywhere near 60 or 70 gigs now, right. um, but I still love what it is that I get to do. I still love speaking, but I also love the business that we have now and the entrepreneurial uh, itch that that scratches. And so, yeah. um, so it got to a point where people were asking me a lot of, hey, I want to be a speaker. How do I go about doing that? And so we started doing some more teaching and training around that. That's the, the core of what our, our business looks like today. Yeah. So people can find that at how to get booked and paid to speak, right? You're doing webinars on, on the regular. Yeah. 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 The, the, everything that we do is over at the speaker lab.com, the speaker lab.com. We have the new book, the successful speaker, five steps for booking gigs, getting paid and building your platform. Um, that's over at the speaker lab.com slash book. So yeah, everything that we do, uh, and you've been a guest on, which I think, okay, I, I, I haven't looked, but I think you're episode one oh one. So we may need to, we may need to fact check that later, but come on now. Uh, it's we're about- up to like, 270 some episodes, but it's about time I come back to, I, I know it has, it has been a minute, but I remember, uh, I remember we talked about, uh, speaking at colleges and yeah. we get asked a lot about speaking at colleges. So I always refer that. So I'm pretty sure it's episode one one. So we'll check yeah. that later, but you know what? So real quick, real quick sidebar on that is I've gotten at least a dozen emails, uh, yeah? Twitter messages, direct messages, Facebook messages from people who've said, Heard you on the Speaker Lab podcast, wanted to pick your brain a little bit more on the college market. One guy in particular is a boxer down in Texas. I think he's down in Houston or Austin. Okay. And, and um, he had responded back to me and we had a 30-minute call and it was very cool talking to him. Yeah. Yeah. And he said he had come across your work and, and the podcast and hey, was a I double checked. So. It's episode 101. You Called are it. on it. You are Nailed on it. it. Uh, yeah, so that's the that's the core of, of what we do today is uh, is teaching people the ins and outs of the of the speaking world and, and trying to again bring some um, some some structure to what feels again like that that mysterious black box. Yeah, what is one of the biggest misconceptions that people have when they get involved in speaking, or they think uh, I want to go do this professionally? What's their yeah, I think a big misconception is people feel like they have to have a whole bunch of, of credentials uh, on the resume in order to qualify as a speaker, meaning that, um, okay, in order to be a speaker, I need to have won a gold medal or been a war hero or landed a plane on the Hudson or climb Mount Everest, you know, blindfolded in shorts, you know, it's like, if you have those things, great, it might help a little bit, but it's not the end all be all like, um, I, I, I can't speak for you, but I know for me, like, I'm a white dude from the Midwest who's had a very normal life. And my guess is you're <laughs> yeah. probably similar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like on paper, there's nothing that qualifies me. I, I haven't had a, 
any life-threatening disease. I haven't overcome some crazy obstacle. I was yeah. a normal middle-class family. I've never broke a bone in my body. Like pretty normal vanilla type of guy. Yeah, except so, for yeah. the one time you climbed Mount Everest in shorts, blindfolded. I, I, it would be great. Uh, I have not accomplished <laughs> that. But so there's, again, there's just, there's nothing there. And so people, again, kind of assume like, all right, in order to be a speaker, you have to have had, you know, check the box on some of these things. And the reality is, yeah. is like you, you, you don't, you know, so um, being able to uh, captivate an audience and speak to an audience and, and have, you know, unique and compelling content, um, uh, you know, is, is one of those things that, that can, you can still be very successful as a speaker. So if you have some of those, you know, uh, perceived prerequisites and, and resume items uh, that you can point back to, that's fine. But again, it's not the end all be all in order to be yep. a speaker. Yep. That's cool. Um, yeah, isn't that interesting? I, I think the other one that I hear a lot is that people think they have to have everything completely baked. And then yeah, the, yeah. the perfectionist syndrome comes in where it's like, well, my program isn't quite ironed out yet. Yeah. And they've been working on it for four years and they've yet to send a marketing email or yeah. put themselves out there at a, a Kiwanis or Rotary Club. Yeah, I mean, as you, as you all know, like... Um whenever you're creating a new talk or you're creating any type of content, like it's, you're making an educated guess until you get up in front of the audience. Like, I think this is funny. I think this will resonate. I think this will make sense. I think this will click. I, I don't really know. You don't really know. But once you get up there, then you get that real-time feedback of like, ah, okay, that really worked. I didn't anticipate that working as well as it did. Uh, or I thought that was going to work really well and it bombed. And I, you just don't know until you get up there. And each time you speak, you get that real-time feedback that helps you to refine the presentation, the talk, the material that yep. ultimately bakes, makes it better. So it's never going to be like this fully finished, fully polished, fully baked thing. And certainly not going to be baked in isolation or in a vacuum, but right. it's, it becomes, you know, quote unquote, baked whenever you're in front of the audience and you're figuring out actually what works versus just kind of guessing and hope you get up there and get it right. Yeah. Such, yeah, it's such good advice. When I did the money game and I did the money game for years and years and years on college campuses, it, it was the jokes that I, that I thought, oh, this is a throwaway line that got a yep. huge laugh. Yes that I would slowly start to go, oh, wow, these, this is actually the funniest material I have. I'm going to put all this together. And you could wait. I'm sure you have speeches like this too. You could wake me out of a dead sleep and go, all right, money game, slide six, go. <laughs> right, right. And I could do it and know the jokes and it all, you know, it all falls the way it's supposed to, but only because it was done hundreds of times. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which, um, again, when you, you, uh, like the best speakers on the planet, the best comedians on the planet, you think that they just get up and like, oh, they just scribbled a couple notes on a napkin and hop up there and, and it just magically works out. It, it doesn't. Like you, you, you've spent a lot of time practicing, rehearsing, going over in front of audiences and practicing, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak, yep. uh, to by the point that you get up there, like you feel like the, the material is really polished and really dialed in. And again, that's not, an, that's not an overnight process. Like, you know, you and I have both done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gigs and presentations before, but we we also both started at zero. Every right. speaker, every every entrepreneur starts at zero and you go from zero to one. And both of us had our first gig at some point there. And we've had gigs since then that have gone phenomenally well. And you're like, if I could do all of them like that, that'd be amazing. And yeah. a plenty that went like, that was a disaster. I'm not sure what happened there, but <laughs> right. let's not do that again. Um, and everything in between. And that, you know, that that's that's part of it. Yeah. You know what's cool is to to hear from people who are doing this full time and have been making a living doing it for a very long time, that they still go home and go, that was not my best. Yeah. And, and I've had a couple of them recently where I came home and my wife said, well, how was it? And I'm like, you know, the audience probably thought it was good. Like they enjoyed yeah. it. We had fun. I give myself a solid C. 
you know, I need, I need to go back and rehone this material or write some more stories, create more comedy, uh, have more pauses or, you know, mental breaks in it. Um, it's interesting. There's a, um, a speaker friend of mine and he, he shared this story recently where he was, um, he's friends with, uh, he didn't tell me who the band was, but some, some band and they were performing at some arena or something. And there's, you know, thousands of people there and he's front row and, and just like, Oh man, that was was such an amazing show. Uh, and he goes backstage afterwards, back in the green room, the band's like, Oh man, we suck tonight. And everything was off and it wasn't working. And he was basically talking about there's two shows, right? There's the one that the crowd sees and they're like, that was amazing. the one that the band or the speaker sees and they're like, eh, it wasn't my best, right? It's like, wait, what are you talking about? Everyone was cheering. Everyone was applauding. Everyone was doing what they were supposed to do. It's like, yeah, but I can feel that there was, it wasn't quite there because I'm looking, you know, you and I have again done those gigs where you're like, just everything worked and it all clicked and it went flawless. And you're like, I'm comparing back to that one. And like, and it wasn't the same. And the laughs weren't, when I delivered this line, laughs were okay, but the laughs were different than what they were on that yes. one. And all those like silly little nuances though, that you can, that you see that you can kind of, you know, stress and think about and yep. worry about that everyone else is like, I, I don't get it. It seemed great. It's like, yeah, it was fine, but I know there's, there's more there that I could do. Totally. You mentioned comedians. Mm-hmm. that they get up and it, it looks like they just scribbled some stuff on a napkin. But in all reality, we know there is copious amounts of time spent in writing yeah. a story, crafting the joke. How is it told? Is the punchline on the front or the back? How do we make yeah. multiple punchlines? All those things. Do you have anything in the forthcoming book about how to infuse humor or how to study humor in a way that makes your presentations even better? Yeah, we do. We do have a little bit uh, about humor, how to use humor. Um, and in fact, one of the things that we talk about it, because a lot of people, you and I like using humor in our talks, but a lot of people worry like, well, what if I'm not funny and I don't feel like I'm naturally funny? How do I use humor? Uh, so one of the things, examples I give is um, using slides for humor, some type of visual humor. So yep. posting some type of mean, meme or GIF or uh, video or something that uh, creates humor without you having to to, to generate the humor. And there's yeah. an example of this. Uh, um, I don't remember if I share this in the book, but uh, I remember speaking at a conference a few years ago and uh, a buddy of mine was, was giving a keynote. And, uh, and then right afterwards, I was doing a workshop uh, on the topic of speaking and, and putting together and delivering a great talk. And so um, in my buddy's keynote, um, he's, he's a funny speaker. He does a good job. But in the midst of, of the talk, he plays like a short like 30, 45 second video that wasn't his, that he didn't create. It was just a funny video floating around the internet. It's a very funny video. Uh, So he plays that, gets a great reaction. So then afterwards, I'm doing this workshop talking about speaking. And so I'm, I I bring it up. I said, okay, how many of you were just, just saw that keynote? Everybody saw the keynote, right? And I said, how many of you thought that 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 speaker was funny? And everyone's like, oh yeah, the speaker was hilarious. That was great. I said, what was the funniest part of his presentation. And they're all like the video. The video, yeah, the video sure. was the funniest part. He didn't create the video. They all th- assume like, yeah, he's a hilarious speaker. But the, th- the part that they thought was the funniest was he pushed play on a video he didn't create <laughs> and it creates the humor for the audience. So yeah. all that say, like, you don't have to be a comedian in order to use humor in your, in your presentations, whether you're a professional speaker or you're giving a, a presentation or speech at work or you know, at your church or chamber of commerce or, or Toastmasters or whatever. There's a lot of ways to, to create and generate humor without you having to come up with a joke or a punchline. Yep. In the nature of, you know, my audience is all out there looking to build a bigger life. They're all life architects who know that they're in control of what they experience. If any of them want to pursue public speaking, and obviously the book is coming out, uh, you can order, you can pre-order it on Amazon right now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, listen to Grant on the Speaker Lab podcast. Check out the speakerlab.com for all the great content that he's putting out there. What are maybe two or three first things that you recommend people do that say, you know what, I want to do that? Yeah. So inside the book, we walk through um, a framework that makes the acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K. We call it the Speaker Success Roadmap. And the first step of the process is probably the most important. uh, And it's the part that people want to skip past. Um, But if you get this part right, then everything else becomes much simpler. Uh, So think about it like building a house. If you get that cornerstone, you get that foundation right, then the rest of the house goes up a lot cleaner and simpler and smoother. So the, the first part, the S, is select a problem to solve. Select a problem to solve. And this comes down to two sides of the equation. One is who is it that you speak to? And number two is what is the problem that you solve for that audience? Most speakers, we just, you and I, we like speaking. Speaking is just fun. We like being in front of an audience. We like making an audience laugh and think and engage and that sort of thing. So hypothetically, we, we are like, I, I'd speak to anybody, you know, whoever I, who do you speak to? I speak to people. I speak to humans. My message is for the world. Like, okay, but that's a horrible way to approach business in the same way that when, when, when you ask a speaker, you know, what do you speak about? And they say, well, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak about anything. You know, I can speak about, uh, I can speak about personal finance or money or, or, or uh, leadership or motivation or change or, or customer service or marriage or parenting. It's like, maybe you know something on all those things, but if you try to speak on all those things, you're not going to make any progress. And so right. we talk about um, in the book, the difference between being, uh, you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet, be the steakhouse and not the buffet. Meaning, you know, if you and I were going to go uh, grab lunch, we've had lunch numerous times. And if we were going to go grab lunch somewhere, we were looking for a good steak. Like we have a choice. Like we could go to a um, a, a, a buffet where, where steak is one of a hundred things that they offer and they're all mediocre. Yep. Or we could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really, really well. And by saying like, we do steak and we don't do tacos and we don't do pizza and we don't do lasagna, we don't do any of these other things. It not only attracts the right people, but it repels the wrong people who are not a good fit. Versus if you say, yeah, we do a buffet and we do all these things for everybody, like you're never going to make any progress. So by, we, 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 we think that the more people we can speak to, the more industries we can talk to, the more topics we can cover, the more opportunities we, we have. But the opposite of the case, which is, again, counterintuitive, but the more narrow, the more clear, the more focused we are, the easier it is to find gigs. So you're a great example of this is you talked to, uh, you've spoken to college students on personal finance, right? Um, yep. Very clear of who you speak to and what's the problem that you solve. Now, who needs to know about personal finance? Humans. Everybody does. Your message is hypothetically relevant to everyone, right? Right. But right. if you say, I speak to everyone and anyone about personal finance, talk to corporations and churches and college students and high school students and, and parents and dogs and like everyone's like, that doesn't work because all of a sudden you're for everyone, but you're also for no one. But if you say, right. no, no, I help this one specific audience with this one specific problem. Now it is much, much, much simpler for you to be able to find gigs. It's much yeah. simpler for organizations and speakers and event planners to be able to refer you. It's so much simpler if you pick one specific audience to focus on to solve one specific problem. So I have to validate this with a story real quick because, because you, have, you have clearly articulated actually part of my problem in this industry because I'm so like, I do love personal finance and I love, and I loved for a very long time, love talking to college students about money. My, my passion for that has waned a bit. Um, not that I think it's any less important. It's as I got older and started raising kids and bringing them up with money, you know, my interest shifted a little bit in who I was talking to and how I was sharing that. But I was talking to a gentleman who was a, he was a, very high level executive at a major fortune 100 financial firm. 
Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, you know, upcoming events and what could I do for him and things like that. And he said, Adam, here's the deal. The $25,000 speakers I hire are amazing at one thing. Yeah. Like I'm paying them $25,000 because they are brilliant at behavioral finance or yeah. behavioral economics, or they're geniuses at closing a complex financial sale with affluent families. Yeah. Right. And so when... Two two things. Number one, I heard that and was like, oh shoot, I need to narrow my focus a little bit on who I'm talking to. Yeah. And then number two, when I heard you speak at FinCon and you were doing uh, you know, a pseudo pitch for for the speaker lab and, and mm-hmm. uh the program, you were making comments basically to this to this topic. And one of the things that I took away was I have done a ton of work in credit unions. Mm-hmm. But I have not done a great job of telling credit unions that they are my focus. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And if I were marketing myself as a credit union specific speaker who helped credit unions build wallet share by teaching their employees how to have a money conversation that's effective yeah. with their members, you know, the business would basically uh, find itself right. Yeah. And in the last probably six weeks, two major gigs have come out of that realization for me. Yeah. Just saying, yeah. hey, this is a focus. This is who I'm going after. This is what we're going to do. And they're like, wow, you're really an expert in that topic. Yeah. So and again, it's I, counterintuitive, but like just focusing and say, I do this. So I heard this analogy the other day. Like if, if you had a, a can of beans or a can of green beans or something and you're in the kitchen, you needed to get that open and you go to the drawer, what are you looking for? A can opener that does one thing and that's okay. it. You're not like, uh, you know, what can I do? Can I get it open with a spatula? Pizza cutter. I, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You can't, you can't do anything else with those other tools, but you right. get a can opener. It does one thing, but it does that one thing really well. That's what you want to be. Be a can opener and be like, okay, I, because of that, uh, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a pizza cutter and I'm not a spatula and I'm not uh, a measuring cup. I'm not all these other things. And that's fine. But I know like when someone's looking for a can opener, I'm the best darn can opener that they're going to get. So yep. be that and know that that, that's totally fine. Yep. Do you remember, this is great, great advice, by the way. Do you remember uh, James Malinchek? Yeah. 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 I don't Do know, you know him personally. James? I don't know. I, I don't know him personally. Uh, I've never, never really interacted with him. Okay. So I went years and years ago, I went to his big money speaker boot camp, uh-huh. or I think yep. it was the college speaker boot camp at the time. And, you know, James is a larger than life guy. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I think his ego walks in the room before he does kind of thing. I've heard he's been, he's been successful. Um, so I, I hold nothing against him at that. But one of the things he said at the event, it frustrated me a little bit and I want to get your take on it. He said, one of the things that should inspire everyone greatly in the room is all of the terrible speakers out there that are getting paid big bucks. And what I heard in it was, it's okay to, when you get started to be terrible and go charge, try and charge big dollars. And, and oftentimes I've talked to speakers who are just getting their feet wet and they're like, well, I'm not going, I'm not going to leave the house for less than five grand. And, you know, I, and I think you were probably the same way. We got started getting paid in like a meal and yeah. Yeah. Pens, Pat on the back. pens from right. Rotary. You know, I still have a rotary pen in my drawer that I'm like, oh yeah, this is one of my first payments. Yep. Yep. Give me your, your impression of when people get started, do they go right off the bat and say I'm 500 or a thousand bucks? Do they need to work into it? 
What's your advice? Yeah, some of this depends on what your goals are and what it is that you're trying to accomplish as a speaker. So, you know, if you're someone who says, I want to do 100 gigs a year and I, ultimately someday I want to be at a, you know, a $10,000 a pop level, um, that's a different, uh, probably a different approach than, you know, I want to speak five times a year and I can be really, really picky and choosy, right? Um, so do you have to, um, I think if you are a, uh, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a restaurant, for example, like uh, um a restaurant that serves mediocre food but does amazing marketing can stay in business for a minute, but eventually, like people go there once. It's like the food wasn't what I thought it was going to be. The marketing got me in the door, and it's prob- probably not going to go back because the food wasn't that great. Right. Versus, um, you know, the the um, ideally a restaurant that does both well that they can get you in the door, but then they can keep you coming back because the the food's so stinking good. Uh, I know that there's a couple places that uh, I love going to. There's a taco place you and I went to here locally. Um, that was uh, that's one of our favorite taco places to go to because the food's really good, right? Yep. So um, they don't like they don't have to keep marketing because I just know that the product's solid. So for a speaker who's like they're just mediocre, um, and and like whenever you said uh, someone who said like a new speaker saying I'm not going to get out of bed for five thousand. Okay, good luck because you're probably not going to get many gigs, you know. Because <laughs> yeah, right. um, the reason that you and I are solid speakers today is because we have done a lot of gigs and we've had a lot of reps and a lot of at bats, and we recognize that um, you know we can charge uh, well above five thousand dollars because we're also very very good at what it is that we do. Um, so I think that the, the I, I don't know that the, you there's any like criteria of like and you have to do until you've done 25 free gigs you're not ready like I don't think that that's the case um, but I think that the more at bats that you get the quicker you get better the other thing I would say is as you well know uh, speaking leads to more speaking like uh, yeah. um, you know my friend Michael Port says like the more you speak the more you speak that. Uh, there's a lot of spinoff, referral, word of mouth, repeat stuff that happens as you speak. So you may look at it and be like, okay, I only got a pin from this. I can think, I'll give you a quick example. Um, I remember one of my first, uh, one of the first gigs I did, I was, it was a, a referral from a, a speaker friend. It was a $500 conference, um, state conference. That, uh, they didn't cover any of my travel. It was a couple hours away. So probably broke even on hotel and meals and gas and that sort yep. of thing. Um, but I knew like, so not bad. I'm, I'm doing what I want to do. And uh, it was a small little conference, uh, maybe a hundred people or something. And at that conference, the state conference, there was a, a lady who was there who was the wife of the national director for this entire association and organization. And she comes up to me afterwards. She's like, you did an amazing job. I'm going to tell my husband about you and he needs to hire you. And sure enough, like he hired me for a whole bunch of national conferences. Uh, and like, I, I didn't know she was in the audience, but right, I knew right. that that, I knew that that opportunity might lead to other things uh, yes. and, and whether it's speaking or other forms of value. And it did. In fact, uh, which another thing I can point to, that same event that um, initially was, was uh, again, more or less a break-even event, the lady who actually did hire me, the event planner for that, um, she was involved in a different organization that, long story short, ended up hiring me for a whole bunch of presentations uh, a few years later that was worth like thirty dollars or $40,000, which was an astronomical amount for me. Um, right, right. And, and it was because I, and I, not, not because like, okay, I did this $500 thing. So she owes me a favor for 30 or $40,000 later, but it was, I, I built a relationship with her, you know, and we stayed in touch and I knew that I, I helped her. And with that first event, I knew that I did a great job. Um, and we stayed in touch there. So it, 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 it paid off in a lot of different ways that I could point to into the future. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I think doing some of those, those, um, those early gigs that seem, and you have to kind of pick and choose. Like it was $500, but it was, you know, three or four hours away from my house versus, Hey, can you come do this five 
$500 gig that's, you know, um, a couple flights away from your house and it's going to take several days and, and, um, that sort of thing. I'm probably going to be a lot less likely, but something like, okay, realistically, this is going to cost me just time primarily. Um, then let's, let's make the sacrifice. Let's do it. Um, and it, you know, paid off significantly. Yeah. I love the statement. The more you speak, the more you speak. I've told Mm -hmm. people that for years and years as well. Um, and, and, you know, to your point, I got the London business school Ted talk and that was not a, that was a, that was an unpaid. They didn't pay travel, didn't pay anything. It was like, will you come over here and do this? Yep. And, uh, you know, it was far enough in my career that that, that was feasible. Um, but we just hit 5 million views on that. That's deal. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Not nuts. Which you could probably point to a bunch of other things that have come out of that, you know, sure. whether that's other speaking gigs or um, other networking opportunities or just pure authority and credibility yep. that, that may be hard to put a dollar amount on, on certain things, but you know, like I received value out of that. So that's one thing we talk a lot about in the, in the book and with other speakers is you can do things for a reduced fee or do it for free, but uh, you're providing value, so you need to receive value. And so don't just do something out of the goodness of your heart. So do something because you know that you're going to get value in other ways. Um, so it may come in the form of, um, you know, if you're going to a cool place and they have the opportunity to travel, maybe an industry event where you can build some, you know, networking or, or uh, authority or credibility opportunities. It may be that you have some type of product or service that you can sell in the back of the room type thing, and it yep. generates revenue that way. It may be... Um, you and I have both spoken at events because we know there are other event planners that will be there. And I know like if I do a good job, there's a good chance they're going to hire me. So if I go speak at something for a reduced fee, but I pick up, you know, two, three, four gigs out of that, that's very worthwhile to me. So there's yep. a lot of ways that you can get value from a speaking gig that goes beyond whether or not you got a check for it. Right. Um, two things I want to touch on before we wrap things up. Number one, I'm a big believer in that we should all be pursuing mastery of something. And on the speaking front, um, for me, pursuing mastery in speaking has been really important. I, you know, I, I study speakers, I study comedy, I study great copywriting and all of those things. For you, what is pursuing mastery in this business? Uh, what does it require? What do you do? Give us some, some tidbits. Yeah, for for speakers, um, pursuing mastery. I mean, and I don't know if this is exclusive to just speakers, but I think with with a lot of things, like you're you're basically obsessed with it, and in a healthy way, right? So, like you said, you are you are paying attention to other speakers. You're paying attention to how they do things. They just they they told that joke or they told that story or that was. Uh, I'm in tears listening to this. Why? How, how did that work? How did that happen? And you're really thinking through what are the things that are happening more than just oh that was cool that was good. You know, there are people who are um, uh, deeply fascinated by food and every bite they're analyzing, you know, the different, uh, flavors and the flavor combinations and the plate presentation. And like, I don't, I don't geek out. I'm like, this is good. Just, I want more of this. Um, that's about the extent (laughs) of it, you know, but, uh, and there's other parts of, you know, um, uh, nature or sports or whatever that people are like, they're really digging in to break down every little nuance thing. And you and I kind of geek out on that, on something like speaking. Um, and, and so, that's the level of like fascination and almost again obsessiveness that you have about a thing that um, that I, I want to improve at this thing that I'm doing because going from like you know zero uh, percent to eighty percent um, or even ninety percent doesn't require almost as much work as going from like ninety to ninety five or ninety five right. to ninety seven like you start getting to these incremental changes and like it's tough it's difficult and so you really got to like really obsess about the craft. And, and, and what it is that you're trying to deliver. Yeah. 
So I know that some of my, my uh, tribe will be interested in the book and uh, as well as the training and your, your podcast, in all honesty, I, I'll be on a long road trip and I'll pull it up and listen because some of the, the topics are things like how to get more business from speaker bureaus. And I'm going, yeah, yeah I need to do that. And, yeah. uh, you know, how, there's a couple of them on humor and how to use humor effectively and things like that. Great, great shows. Um, tell us a little bit about the book, when it comes out, how we get it, what to expect with it. Yeah, yeah, I got a copy here. The successful speaker: five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, building your platform. Uh, it is basically again kind of a step by step process. Right? I told you it's that that acronym. Speak. Uh, we give you the S. You got to get the uh, the book for the other four yeah, parts. Super creative, by the way. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, all the information about the book is over at the thespeakerlab.com/book. Thespeakerlab.com/book. If you're going to pre-order, we also have a whole bunch of bonuses that come along with that, just to incentivize you to grab the book before it does come out. The book comes out February 18th, and if you are someone who who says, I want to speak, I want to speak full-time like um, Grant and, and Adam have done. Or if you say, uh, I don't want to speak full-time, but I'd love to do you know five things a year, but I just don't know how do you find those five. Or yep. even if you're someone who says, I don't speak a ton, but I've, I've got a, a presentation coming up for my company in a couple months and I'm sweating it and I'm really worried what to do. We've got several chapters there on creating and delivering a good talk and practicing and preparing, uh, cool. having confidence whenever you deliver. So uh, definitely, if you're, if you're interested in speaking in any way, uh, the successful speaker is the book you need to pick up. That's awesome. Dude, it's so good to see you. Always good to hang out, my friend. I know. I know. I feel like I'm looking in the mirror sometimes. You got to, <laughs> I don't know who your barber is, but man, I like, I like his That's, style. I started. All right. So for, for Christmas recently, my wife gave me this because she's always cut my hair. My wife is a, a hair stylist. She went to cosmetology school. For those who can't see, I'm, I'm completely bald here. And uh, as, we're as, part as, of the as club. are you, there you yeah, are. We're part um, of the club. And so she would cut my hair on a weekly basis. And then she, um, she was at maybe her stylist or something. And she saw there the, that another, uh, stylist was cutting like buzzing a guy's hair off like ours, but using some trimmer thing. And she's like, I'm going to find that. And it, so she gave it to me for Christmas and I, I'm looking at them. I'm, I'm super skeptical of it because it looks like this as seen on TV type thing. <laughs> like there's zero chance this is going to work. This is going to jack up my head. Yeah, right. so I was like, Whoa, this works. So now like it, basically she worked herself out of a job. She's been buzzing my hair for years and years and years. And now like I can do it myself. And so she's, she's very happy. I can do it whenever I want without having to be dependent on her. So it's a big win. Nobody can see this, but they need to watch the video. Now is this a, is this a, uh, like a, a trimmer or is it a straight edged no, it's a trimmer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. So it's so, not like a palm blade or anything like no, that. No. Yep. No yeah. blades. No blades. Okay. So it's just it's like the like a, a trimmer you'd have for your face, yeah. like an electric yeah. trimmer you'd have for your face. But it's just I don't know. It's shaped and designed for your head. Uh, and because I've used the electric one, this is people don't care about this. They they don't. This but one. you know they're going to be laughing um, that we're talking about. Because I it. I've used the electric one on my face and it hurts. Like it pulls yeah. on the hair. Like it. I didn't like that. So when I see this, I was like. Rubbing this all over my head, there's no way this is going to feel good. And and I don't know. Like when I do it on my face, it's, it still hurts a little bit. But doing my head feels fine. So so far so good. Please send me a link. I will see if I can. Find, I, have no I want to see it. Got it. Yeah, I uh, want to see this thing. It's it's been a win so far. Having just bicked my head in the shower this morning and took a, a long time, I, I yeah, feel like I, I need another. I need. Yeah, another I, I like I like my means. I like this new solution. It's been yeah, good. That's cool. Our our haircutting routines by Grant and Adam. For sure. Dude, we should do a podcast on that. Let's do that. Let's do that. People would love to hear that. I heard there was a show. There isn't there a a bald bald money. Oh yeah, we sure are. There was like a bald money show or something like that at one point. Anyway, I digress. 
people would love that. People want like I, I've wondered for years. Is like how people shaving their hair. I don't want because I didn't want to use a, a razor. Um, I would, like it just one. It seems like it takes so much time. Yeah, it does. Um, and I didn't want to mess with it. And then like you can't really see. Did I get it all? You know. Um, so I've been intrigued, but I, I just haven't. I haven't experimented or tried other solutions. And so she gave me this. And I was like, well, by golly, it works. So, so far, so, so good. So far, so good. Knock on wood. I love it. Grant, always a pleasure. I know the book is going to be wildly successful. I'm sure we'll see it in bookstores on the bestseller list and all of the above. Um, when do you go on the Today Show? Have you, have you booked uh, that gig waiting, yet? Yeah, I'm waiting for, um, I was trying to think of the name of, of someone there. I was going to say Katie Kirk, but I know it's been a minute since she's been there. Maybe yeah, Al. No, you and no, Al can yeah, talk I'm about I'm waiting on Al. Al's been there for a while. So yeah. uh, one of these days I'll get the call. All right. Well, dude, you're awesome. Uh, so proud of you for what you're doing and how you're helping people. It's truly making a difference. You're building a bigger life for yourself every day. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, dude. Thanks for tuning in to the show. Every one of my interviewees has certain things in common, which I've summarized in the blueprint available at buildabiggerlife.com. It contains the nine core tenets extracted from each of the past interviews and will get you started building your own version of a bigger life. If you liked what you heard on the show, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time.